0: I'm a till I die, just like Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. I'm a Laker till I die, just like Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. I'm a Laker riding high, just like Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. Kobe. I'm a Laker riding high till I die. We did it for Kobe, did it for Kobe, Kobe. did it for Jimmy, did it for, for, for Jimmy, did it for Jerry, Jerry, Kobe. did it for, G. G. We, did it G. for G. we did it for Kobe and the whole Go. Damn city. 17 for the homie, yeah we did that shit for Kobe Now I'm about to pull down the 40 Cause he left us young in his 40s LBJ and AD, forever will carry your legacy You the GOAT now that you got number 6 Your hand was all over the championship You the king of LA, we ain't never gonna forget it I know you went in 17 Smiling down with your princess Gigi We miss you dogging and deeply Sincerely from all the fans You taught us how to win at life Now we passed the final exam We shut down all the critics And what's we'll fucking with if they are with us Every time they started flexing, all we hooked them out like some fishes. We're a team full of killers, thanks for teaching us to be bitches. Thanks, mama, we did it for you, we did it for you, because you're the realest. I'ma lake until I die, just like Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. I'ma lake until I die, just like Kobe, Kobe, Kobe.
1: Welcome to the LA Sports Roundtable. This is the HAF with me. Is a Toya Nader, Matt Montoya.
2: Well, I just feel like he got caught up in the Trump health plan, and of course, things went as bad as they possibly could go for a man of color.
1: We're here podcasting the LA Sports Roundtable, to you from RT1 Studios. Here at the Roundtable, we talk LA Sports.
0: Those kick your ass! Los locos kick your face! Los locos kick your balls. Into outer space.
1: To those of you who listen, thank you! And please give us a shout-out and a follow on Twitter and Instagram at LA Sports RT1. In this episode, Montoya and I discuss the Lakers and Dodgers Championships, the NFL playoff picture. And Jared Goff of the Rams and Justin Herbert of the Chargers in our Who's Better segment. Because we compare two L.A. players and we decide who's better. Let's do this. All right, Montoya. Happy days are here again in Los Angeles because the Lakers and Dodgers have won championships in the same month in the first time in the same year since... 1988 when we were young kids and you still lived in pueblo colorado despite the pandemic being a complete downer for 2020 the nba resumed its season with the bubble in orlando which solidified player safety resulting in zero positive tests for the virus and ending with the lakers rightfully winning its 17th championship in franchise history meanwhile MLB had a delayed start to its season with teams playing at their home ballparks and having divisional playoff games in ballparks in Los Angeles, San Diego, Houston, and Arlington. MLB had a soft bubble for their playoffs. The ALCS was in San Diego and the NLCS, and the World Series only took place in Arlington at the Rangers' new ballpark, Globe Life Field, with fans in attendance. According to Chris Haliki of Sports Illustrated, Texas regulations allowed 50% 50% capacity for fans, and that's what it looked like for the NLCS and World Series. An interesting thing happened when Justin Turner was pulled in the Dodgers' clinching game as a result of a positive test for the virus. Either way, the LA Sports Roundtable predicted the Lakers dominating the playoffs, and that's what they did. The Dodgers brought the World Series trophy home to Los Angeles despite almost being eliminated by the Atlanta Braves. Toya, first question. Which championship has a bigger significance for the people of Los Angeles and all of the California, the Lakers or the Dodgers championships?
2: I'm going to say the Lakers. Um, The reason why I say that is, while there are people who are Dodgers fans, very diehard Dodgers fans, It's a pretty even split between Angelinos, between the Angels, and the Dodgers. And yes, I realize the Angels play in Anaheim, but you can go to a Dodgers versus Angels game in L.A. or in Anaheim, and you're going to see an equal amount of representation for each team. However, go to a Clippers-Lakers game, and it may as well be a home game for the Lakers, regardless of who's supposed to be the home team and whose hardwood is on the floor. The one, the other thing that you can also say about Southern people in Southern California is that while in a lot of cases people are from somewhere else, such as myself, I actually grew up a Lakers fan because I was always a Magic Johnson fan. Um, and the same thing can be said of Angelinos. There are people who have that same type of mentality for the Lakers that people in New York have for the Yankees. So because it has a little bit more of a hometown feel, Even more so than the Dodgers, I think that the Lakers championship is significantly more important than the Dodgers, although they're both important to L.A.
1: You know, I completely agree with you regarding the Lakers having a better or bigger impact for the people of L.A. with their championship versus the Dodgers championship. And um, just to extend it outside of L.A., you have people all up and down the state who are Lakers fans, even up into the Bay Area and uh, down to San Diego. Even though the Clippers played in San Diego, they didn't have a big following there because they always sucked, which is why Sterling was able to bring him to L.A. in 1984 in the first place. Um, And then, just like you said, when when you see a game at Staples Center, and if it's a Clippers home game, it's like the crowd is screaming for the Lakers if it's uh, uh, the uh, Lakers playing the Clippers in a game. So, you know, I completely agree with you there that uh, the Lakers do have a bigger impact for the people of L.A. and in California because of their championship. However, if the Dodgers, just talking Los Angeles, Toya, if the Dodgers would have won more World Series since 1988, I could definitely put up an argument there that um, they would have had a bigger impact for uh, their championships. But, you know, with the Lakers, 17 championships in franchise history, I think 12 since they've been in Los Angeles after moving here from Minnesota and like so long ago. And the whole um, Kobe uh, uh, impact with the Lakers and the championships with Shaq. Um, It was very good. It's been a long 10 years without a championship. And I know it's been a long 32 years since the Dodgers last won one. But I do agree with you there that the Lakers championship has a bigger significance for the people of L.A. and in California.
2: Well, you know, if you also want to uh, take a look at it, here's another odd coincidence. It always seems like the Lakers – I'm sorry, that the Dodgers win a championship when someone else in L.A. does it. Because if you look at their last championship, I believe it was 1988. And if my history is correct, I believe, and also in 1998, the Los Angeles Raiders beat the Washington Redskins for the Raiders' most recent championship.
1: Um, I believe it was not in 88. The Raiders, I think it was 85. They're first or second year in Los Angeles I'd have to look that up but that is correct their last Super Bowl championship was as the Los Angeles Raiders when I and I remember that because um um that was a big thing and they were new to the city and I was a kid and it was like a big deal and and the Rams were in the Super Bowl in the early 80s, I believe, but I was way too young to even Pittsburgh. remember that when they lost to Pittsburgh at the Rose Bowl with Vince Ferragano as their quarterback. And uh, even though they're the original first professional franchise of Los Angeles.
2: I actually didn't know that game was at the Rose
1: Bowl. I believe it was at the Rose Bowl, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Because you know and the significance of that is it's always been that whoever, whatever team is hosting the Super Bowl never actually plays in their home stadium. And the team who's had the most opportunities to break that curse has been the Chargers and the Dolphins. But the only two teams to actually come close to doing it are the 49ers and apparently the Rams. Because when the 49ers won one of their championships against the, I believe it was against the Bengals, they played at Stanford, um, which is not really far from San Francisco. And then if the Rams actually played Pittsburgh at the Rose Bowl, that's pretty much a home game for the Rams, too.
1: Yeah, and that was January 20th, 1980, at a then-record 103,985 fans. Was in, they were in attendance.
0: It's
2: just an so, interesting thing to look at, because the Chargers and the Dolphins had the most Super Bowls played in their stadium along with the uh, Saints, actually. If you look at the history of the Super Bowl, a majority of them were played, the first couple were played at the LA Coliseum, and then it went to San uh-huh. Diego, New Orleans, Miami. San Diego, New Orleans, Miami. Um, it just- because
1: they had, they didn't want to, back in the day, it, they didn't want to play in a cold weather state at all for the Super Bowl, uh-huh. because it gets very cold in the, that time, which surprised me. When they, the NFL started like saying, okay, let's uh, give the Super Bowl to these uh, cold-weather states because they have new stadiums like in New Jersey with the Giants and Jets new stadium and uh, recently in Minnesota um, a couple years ago with their uh, new stadium for the Vikings. But, yeah. I mean, uh, so they're sort of rewarding, rewarding these teams for having new stadiums by giving them a Super Bowl.
2: So they're, rewarding, cold weather state. they're rewarding the city with that revenue from people coming in and staying in hotels and eating in the restaurants because in a lot of cases it's the state who's putting up money to uh pay for some of those stadiums so it, it's giving those states back tax revenue
1: the significant yeah, that's a though, good point
2: the significance of that though is you know with minnesota it's a dome it doesn't matter it's like having it in phoenix where at the same time you know um the Super Bowl could be 450 degrees if it's in Phoenix, but having it indoors means it's air conditioned that whereas having it in Minnesota, it can, you know, the heaters on. The interesting one was the Broncos and the Seahawks playing in New York, where the chances of snow was very good. And there's no dome.
1: Mm-hmm. They don't have a, they don't have a roof in New York huh? or New Jersey, that I, new stadium.
2: No, it's more like the MetLife. MetLife is more like the old giant stadium in the fact that it doesn't have a roof.
1: Wow, I didn't know that. That's something there, huh? Yep. So even that got played, yeah, that must have been brutal, attending that game. But you know what? I mean, you think about it, in the cold weather, you still have fans in these cold weather states attending games anyway. So I don't really see, like, yeah, that really impacting a, a attendance because everybody wants to go to a Super Bowl game if they can, even if it's um, – you know, not a team they root for. Um, but, you know, going back to the L.A. championships, to in celebrating these L.A. championships, which opponent had more of a chance, even though they both lost? Okay? The Heat or the Rays?
2: I'm going to say the Heat had the closer opportunity. If you look at the uh, World Series, it was almost like the Dodgers were a big cat playing with a rabbit and they just kind of batted them around a little bit. The rabbit got excited, tried to run away and then the cat just stuck their claws and it was like, no, I'm just playing.
1: Hmm. Really? Uh, I'm going to go with the Rays. You know, I, I really think the Rays had more of a chance because their pitching was, I mean, they had some good pitching. And the reason why they lost the last game against the Dodgers, the Rays manager pulled uh, Blake Snell out too early, and even the Dodgers players were saying that. And uh, you know, after the interv- or the post-game interviews, that there was a relief. Like Mookie Betts, I believe, said that there was a relief that the Rays took Mook- or Blake Snell out of the game, and then all of a sudden they felt like they could get some hits um, versus the Heat. I didn't think the Heat had a chance at all especially when Drogic went down and uh Bam Adebayo I think uh missed a game or two so and and it was like the Rays were had their full roster
2: no I mean I'll agree with you it's a toss-up I just felt like I felt like the heat went into that game kind of like rocky like hey we have no shot and I just felt like they played their hearts out and they played with a little more passion to try to win the game. And I'm not saying Tampa Bay didn't try. I just felt like the Heat were coming together as a team, as in, like, me against the world. And uh, I, I just felt more passion from the Heat. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I could see that. And, um, but, you know, the Heat, they're led by Pat Riley, And Pat Riley hasn't been a coach for a long time, but he was in attendance at the Bubble in Orlando for the NBA Finals. What do you think about Pat Riley with uh, his mask? He had a logo of Jerry West on his mask. But what do you think about Pat Riley wearing a mask with the logo of Jerry West upside down the whole time during the NBA Finals? Do you think that was a sign of anything? Or was he just trying to... Have the best fit for his mask, even though the logo of Jerry West was upside down.
2: I think he was just looking for the best fit of his mask. I don't think he was trying to say anything because because his team was playing the Lakers, obviously. um, And I also don't think that uh, he would want to go doing that with the mask. If you did something like that on purpose, it'd be like doing something to the shield in the NFL. It's just it's not something you want to do on purpose.
1: Yeah, but with, based on his history with the Lakers and the fact that Jerry West, the logo, was a Laker and uh they worked together when Riley was coach and uh Jerry West was the GM of the Lakers. I mean I'm just wondering if there was any um bad blood between the two uh guys.
2: I'm sure that there was. You can't put, you know, a couple of um what's the word I'm looking for the kind of, we'll just say top dog. Cause I can't think of the word that I'm looking for, but um, you can't put two guys that are dominant males in the same room and have them disagree and have it come out amicable. Like you, somebody has to put their ego aside and I just don't see that happening with these two a type personalities.
1: So based on that thing, I mean, do you think Riley was trying to make a point like F you Jerry West with his mask upside down? Um, I don't yeah. think
2: so because, you know, I just think that if Riley had something to say, he'd just come out and say it.
1: Well, I don't know. I think he, as a as an executive, and I think he would be more diplomatic, and maybe that was his subtle uh, <laughs> slight of Jerry West based on maybe if there is bad blood between the two because they're both uh, former Lakers and, uh, you know, were... In charge of the Lakers, one way or another, um, but yeah, I just thought that was kind of interesting, and another interesting thing I thought in the finals, what came out was the Lakers bench was taunting uh the white boy kid and play afro guy Jason Williams wannabe <laughs> by calling uh 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 him Jimmy Neutron <laughs> during the playoffs Duncan robinson so duncan robinson you know who has this white boy can't play afro trying to, and and wearing jason williams number 55 the lakers bench was calling him jimmy neutron boy genius the whole time during the finals what do you think about that
2: i just think it's funny <laughs> um it's just a way of getting into his head i am and i also just think that uh You give competitors an opportunity to talk shit, they're going to talk shit. It is what it is. I I don't see anything beyond that other than it's actually really fun.
1: (laughs) But since they did taunt him by calling him Jimmy Neutron, boy, genius, do you think Duncan Robinson, his play, do you think his play was affected and that actually helped the Lakers?
2: Um, No, because – by the time you get to the level of playing in the NBA, you've dealt with enough people who have been naysayers about your play uh, to the point where it's like that, that should be old news. You should be able to handle that. I mean, there's a reason why DJ Strawberry is playing in Europe and not the NBA because when Lopez and I were, you know, sitting courtside at a uh, Clippers heat preseason game, we were getting under his skin. And all we were doing was just chanting his dad's chant, Daryl. And that was getting under his skin. So um, that's what separates someone like a DJ Strawberry verse, versus this guy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I never knew that story, by the way. And you know what? Um, I know, yeah, I remember that was an iconic moment in the World Series in, what, 1986? What was Between the Mets. And the Boston Red Sox and how Bill Buckner uh, messed everything up for the Bo Sox. But I remember them chanting that in, uh, to Strawberry in right field. And I actually didn't know. Strawberry had a son who was playing in the NBA for a while. That's crazy. Yeah,
2: I believe he went to Servite. He you know did the whole SoCal circuit. I don't know where he went to school, but um, it was a preseason game. We ended up, Lopez and I ended up getting uh, courtside seats um, last minute, and uh, we were sitting right there. And every time he would come to our side of the court, because we were right by the Heat bench, um, we'd start chanting that. And he, you could see him looking at us like he wanted to punch us in the face. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dude, if we, you know what? Go ahead.
1: I I I was at a Clippers game courtside, and uh, I remember Marco Yarish. Yeah. He went to the Timberwolves and I was screaming the whole time, Marco, you suck. And that really got in his skin. He gave me some dirty looks. <laughs> so, you know, I, I yeah, when you're core and they can actually hear you. Yeah, I definitely believe that. Uh, but that's crazy. Oh, dude,
2: he, he was and, so uh, pissed at us. But I'm just saying like, that's what separates him. And, you know, why he's in Europe now. Versus why this guy's playing in the NBA Finals, he has to be able to block shit like that out.
1: Yeah, yeah. Especially, I mean, it may be easier for him if uh, he's playing in Europe and it's a lane People are yelling at him in a language he doesn't even <laughs> understand. Like, you know, or, I mean, that is uh, when fans are able to attend games, and when they have been able to attend games.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, how would you, let's say, just say that they were saying strawberry in Turkish, for instance, like is he even going to know they're saying strawberry? So that's a good point. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So um, my next question for you, Toya, is, do you think if fans were allowed to view the finals trophy and finals MVP trophy, Awarded by your boy, Adam <laughs> Douchebag, jersey ad and silver, who drives hours to loves so he can eat crappy food that's fitting for him, that they would have booed him for allowing jersey ads on NBA jerseys.
2: <laughs> no, I think this is your personal fight. I appreciate your passion about it. <laughs> but no. <laughs>
1: I think fans would have booed him just like they booed Rob Scambread when he um, was delivering the trophies at the end of the World Series. That piece of shit, calling that trophy a piece of metal, right? How he couldn't take, oh, you know, you can't take away a piece of metal. You know? Like, I mean, that guy sucks. Um, but I think fans would have booed him just because that could be like an in thing to do especially since he drives hours to Love so he can eat crappy food that's fitting for him at Love's just for allowing those jersey ads on NBA jerseys. <laughs> but going back to Texas, that championship, and the Dodgers uh, and the Rays, what do you think of MLB's decision to allow fans in attendance for the NLCS and the World Series Ching, in Arlington.
2: Ching. They were looking for whichever state was going to give them the least amount of pushback for having people there. And if, some, if there was a major outbreak that was caused, especially for the general public, the MLB had absolutely no repercussions because of it, because they can say the state made the decision, not us.
1: True. I agree with you. And it was it was a way to make some money, and I I can't believe they, they even did that. And the fact that they did do it just for money, and you know, if there was fifty uh, percent capacity at the Rangers' new stadium, that 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 could have been a super spreader event. Okay, so and and at the same time. Look who was pulled out of game seven, Justin Turner. So Justin Turner was pulled out of the game seven or excuse me, game six of the world series because mysteriously they found out he tested positive during the damn game. And then Justin Turner made a decision to go on the field after he was pulled from the game. And the game, the Dodgers clinched the World Series um, to celebrate with his team. And he took his mask off at times sitting next to Dave Roberts, the manager, who's a cancer survivor for the team photo. What do you think of that fiasco?
2: I think it was incredibly selfish on the part of Turner to take his mask off, especially being near a cancer survivor like that. Um, Being someone who caught the virus and I believe that I was um, initiated to the virus by people who my company shares a bathroom with who would walk into the bathroom, not adhere to the urinal rule that every guy has, and uh, doing so without a mask while talking to clients um, who can hear the urinals flushing, which I think is also just tactless. they gave me the virus and I gave it to my significant other. And then we both wore masks in the house to prevent her mother from getting it. And she didn't. Um, I just think it was incredibly irresponsible of them to walk into the bathroom and give it to me in the same way that it is incredibly irresponsible of Turner to take his mask off next to a cancer survivor.
1: Yeah, And Dave Roberts didn't seem to care when they were taking the team photo. They were all just happy to win the World Series and celebrate and all that. But uh, even if Turner was asymptomatic, which he was, even if he was able to play in the game, which he did up until, what, the seventh inning, um, I completely agree with you about that being selfish on his part. Yes, your team won the World Series, you want to celebrate that with them, but we're in a fricking well, that, it's not, Justin,
2: like people, it's not like people he, don't know his number. Know? I mean, just because he has a mask on, you know, I believe he also has a pretty iconic beard that people are going to remember him for. So it's not like they're not going to know it was him.
1: You mean like not know that you know, 20 years from now, they look at the what?
2: picture and go, Oh, who, who's number 47. I mean, you get the idea. Like people can go look that up.
1: No, they could have taken. Yeah, I agree. They could have taken the team photo with him with the mask and his beard showing. He could have just been by himself six feet away. And that would have said everything. A picture speaks a thousand words, right? He would have still been in team photo, but Hey, we've had a pandemic. He was pulled from a fucking game, but we still let him stand six feet away from the team and take the photo but not be, like, with everybody, you know? But he took his mask off and was taken, took the photo, sat next to the manager, who's a cancer survivor, which puts him in the high-risk health category for the virus. You know, what if uh, Roberts would die? Well, died, not only that, say.
2: if you um, – a lot of people don't know this, but there was a similar pandemic to this in 1918, and people were wearing masks. You can go through and look at all of the pictures, and it's very similar to how it is today. And 100 years from now, people would have had the opportunity to look at that picture of Justin Turner standing six feet away and be like, why is he being isolated? And go back and go, oh, there was a pandemic in 2020, and he was isolated because he tested positive, but the team wanted to have enough unity to have him in the picture with them. So he stood as a hero to make sure that he wasn't going to infect someone else. He stood six feet away to take the team photo. That's how he would have been
1: remembered. Yeah, and that would have been, I think, an iconic you. photo uh, based on the circumstances, you know, but no, he was selfish and he put other people's health at risk, especially his manager, who's a cancer survivor. And I think that's just plain ridiculous. And, and the fact that um, he did come out after that and apologize um, and release a statement and then MLB uh, didn't even punish him. Like, I mean, they broke the rules for their protocols put in place for people's uh, player safety and staff member safety by doing what he did. And they just like, okay, Justin said he's sorry, and that's okay for us. And he came out with a statement saying sorry, and okay, that's okay. No, you, I mean, yeah. you got to punish people. And he was not punished, and I just can't believe that. They, they could have easily fined him, you know? Would it, but if somebody would have died, like uh, the manager Roberts, being in the high-risk health category as a cancer survivor, he I guarantee you he would have been fined yeah. and suspended for next year or a good portion. Well, here, here's of the other year, thing to think maybe. about.
2: He had an opportunity to go into the history books as part of the pandemic. Because when you think about you go back and you look at history, you look at historical events like who won the Super Bowl. Who won the World Series? Who did this? Who did that? He had an opportunity to be synonymous with 2020 and the virus if he had done the responsible thing and took the picture six feet away. He would have been in every textbook from yeah. now until the end of time. He would have been immortalized, but instead he'll be vilified.
1: Yeah. And I mean, just yeah, that, that if they would have been like big team photo him in a mask six feet away from everybody that are like hugging or, or whatever, or arms around each other for the team photo. That would have been an iconic photo for the Texas, like you said. So think about that. I just, I just. Our great grandchildren could be
2: looking at a picture of Justin Turner standing six feet away, remembering 2020 in this pandemic as a hero.
1: Yeah. But he decided to be selfish and that is really disheartening as a Dodgers fan. And I know you're more of an Angels fan, but uh I mean I completely agree with you there. And um it was just, you know, yeah, you won, but you put other people's health at risk. So Justin Turner. A thumbs down. That is thumbs down on you for that. Justin Turner. What's just- do you remember Thumbs the uh, rap
2: sure. group of the nineties? Third base, Justin Turner gets the gas face.
1: <laughs> I actually don't, but uh, maybe oh, you I don't recognize remember. their song. I don't know. I was, I was into yeah. I was into the the rap music of that era, so I don't know. But that I'll name I'll doesn't ring to, a bell right now. I'll have to send a you a link from
2: YouTube. Um, If anybody else wants to check it out, look up third base. The number three R D space B A S S, and then look and then add gas base G A S F A C E. Those guys hated MC Hammer, so anytime somebody said Hammer, that was also entertainment in and of itself because those guys absolutely hated MC Hammer. And MC Hammer (laughs) at
1: that time, MC Hammer at that time was like at
2: the peak of his popularity, so that made it even funnier. But anyway, I digress. I didn't mean to go down the rabbit hole, but once you hear the song and you hear me say, Justin Turner gets the gas face, you will get the joke.
1: All right. All right. All right. Um, Going back to the neutral site world series in Texas that MLB used just to make some money and blame any super spreader event on the state of Texas. Um, the Dodgers played more time there than the Rays. So the Dodgers were basically in their soft bubble at their hotel in Arlington and played at Globe Life Field probably, you know, well more than probably most uh, other teams uh, other than the Rangers this year because uh, the schedule you played, you know, a few games against non division local opponents and like 10 games against your division opponents total. And if you know of those 10 games or whatever, a few were at your park. So the Dodgers played many games at Globe Life Field. Do you think the Dodgers had more of an advantage for spending more time in Arlington and playing more games at the Rangers' new ballpark, Globe Life Field, um, versus other teams? Like the Braves and the Rays that they encountered in the playoffs? Um, in World Series. No,
2: I don't think it's like um, that big of a deal um, like it is in other sports to know the arena and know the field like it is in the NFL. Um, while you could know a little bit better where the soft part is of the field to try to aim your uh, at-bats to get a home run, that would be the only real advantage I could think of or maybe how to play the outfield a little bit better. So if there is an opportunity where someone might have more power, you can shift to the right side. But other than that, I don't, I don't know that that's anything that you wouldn't notice on tape as well.
1: Well, I think they did have an advantage. Even if it's not like the field stuff conditions, like just from spending more time there than any other team, uh, I think the Dodgers had a, an advantage just from a comfort level of being in the same area, and uh, versus the Rays, you know, who were not there as long. And uh, the Dodgers did play during the season in uh, in Arlington, and um, I don't think the Rays play there at all because they play there. Um, NL or NL East and AL East teams only. So um, versus the Dodgers played the NL West teams and the AL West teams. So that's why I'm saying you know knowing the ballpark could have helped them out a little bit, but just being in a comfort zone, being in that park, being in that city. Is um, I think definitely was more advantageous for the Dodgers. But what do you think about these neutral site playoff games, the fact that they're actually talking about doing this even when uh, post-pandemic, in a post-pandemic situation? I think it's
2: stupid. And the reason why I think it's stupid is it's just an opportunity to leverage some of the um, tax favorability of some states. And it's going to take away the home field advantage that some of these other teams have earned by being better than everybody else. So it's just a money grab and uh, it's a money grab in terms of taxes. That's my perspective. Completely.
1: I completely agree with you. I think it's just completely absurd that they're even talking about that. And of course they're just saying, Oh, it could be a good idea, but no, there's always reason behind it. And it's always money in, in leveraging like what they want to leverage uh, other states to put more, um, you know, of uh, like the public tax money into these new stadiums or financing them it is definitely believable. I well, think that's the a reason. And there are still some. Well, it's not only that, they though, but
2: if they do do that, you're going to notice that a lot of the games will be played in Texas and Florida. And the reason for that is is there's no uh, personal income tax in those states. Um, And the benefit of that is not only for the players, but also for the teams, because that eliminates a high level of taxes that they would play, that they would pay, say in California, Um, which again, it's a money grab because it's not going to do the state any good. It's going to bring in a little bit of extra tourism um, and a little bit of local uh, businesses. will get a little bit of a boost, but for the most part, it's just an opportunity for Major League Baseball, the, the owners and the players to just pocket money that doesn't get recirculated into the state. And um, it's going to be a hindrance I, um, because if you have a team from California, such as the Dodgers, that's actually dominating and you take away that revenue from California and you take away the experience for the fans, it's going to have a negative long term impact.
1: You know, that, that definitely could be the case. However, they did have, uh, you know, the division playoffs for the American League in, uh, in the Dodgers and Padres, in Padres ballparks. Um, and that means they had to pay state income taxes for the state of California, those teams who – American League teams who had to play so – but, however, for uh, the World Series and stuff, um, which was, uh, I mean, exclusively just in Texas, I could definitely see that being uh, a reason for MLB having done that. And, um, you know, but, um, but the whole back to the stadium leverage thing, you know, I mean, Florida, yeah, they have no income taxes there in Florida, or I don't know, I mean, I, mean, I know um, it may not be much or if anything, but for the state income tax. Uh, But look at that stadium in Tampa Bay. They've been trying to deal with uh, that situation for a while in Tropicana Field, and even been talking about moving the Rays for a while, but it's just they've been going with the status quo, and maybe that could be something to force Florida's hand or the city of Tampa Bay, one way or another, to finally give uh, the Rays a decent stadium and, you know, I mean, you got to give uh, credit to the Rays for making it to the World Series twice in their history, despite having historically low payrolls each well, and every and year. Well, it's just kind of like the
2: same thing with the Marlins. They win the World Series and then they're going to have the fire sale. The, the Rays kind of did it the opposite way. They did it the, in the style of the Oakland Athletics, um, you know, just kind of working with what they had but i agree with you i agree with you 100% mm-hmm. uh and
1: then so what do you think about the scam of an mlb commissioner rob scambred being booed by dodgers fans at the end of the world series when he was awarding the world series piece of metal trophy and the world series piece of metal and after
2: giving absolutely no punishment to the Houston Asterix, I think he got what he deserved.
1: Yeah. Could you tell he was like, uh, taken aback and little, uh, surprised. Well, if he was, he's an idiot, um,
2: because there's nothing more that he should have recognized as coming his way than to, uh, be booed. Especially, you know, in Texas, where that's still kind of a fresh wound for Dodgers fans, you know, considering, you know, Dallas and Houston, while mm-hmm. not necessarily that close, they're not that far apart either. So that's still a relatively fresh wound for Dodgers fans, especially with all the news of what happened, you know, still being fairly fresh in people's minds.
1: Absolutely. That was in 2017. It wasn't like a long time not, ago. Not only, and, um, not, not only that, though. You know, I mean, Kershaw. the news
2: really just broke this year.
1: Right. Right. The last off season in this year. And, uh, you know, I mean, I just can't believe the asterisk um, got off because in spring training, you had all these, uh, these fans showing up with trash cans banging on them and taunting them and all that. And then when the asterisks, had to play at Dodger Stadium for the playoffs. You had Dodgers fans uh, waiting outside the stadium, banging on trash cans and taunting at the bus as, as they were driving by each day. You know? But they got off with nobody in attendance this season.
2: Believe me, if there's anybody who has long memories, it's baseball fans. This will not be forgotten. huh.
1: Yeah. You're right. You're right. And this should not be forgotten, especially as all those uh, scumbags like uh, Altuve and Correa and Springer are still playing and still with the asterisks. Um, But, uh, you know, back to positive things, since we're acknowledging these championships, which is very, like, uh, amazing time period for the city of L.A. and Southern California. Um, a former Ray, David Price, opted out of this season that the Dodgers acquired with Mookie Betts from the Red Sox last offseason. Uh, do you think he no. should be awarded a World Series ring as being officially on no. the roster, but just not playing?
2: You do, you do not reap the benefits no. when you didn't take the risk. I do not believe that he should get anything. And um, yeah, he opted out for the sake of whatever reason he'd opted out for. Um, But he he didn't stick with his team. And his teammates, who did play, they took a risk on getting COVID in the same way that we were just talking about Dave Roberts, you know, possibly being exposed while taking a goddamn picture.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you, Montoya. Um, David Price, all right? Your logic was perfect there. Now, but what about Avery Bradley who opted out for playing in the bubble because his son has an underlying health condition, but who played with the Lakers the whole season except the bubble? Should he be awarded a championship ring from the Lakers?
2: Number one, he started the season playing with the team. He did play at some point with the team. Once he found out the risk, I'm sorry, but um, as a parent, I just don't see any logical reason as to why you would put your high-risk child at risk over a game. So he did contribute, whereas on the other hand, um, the other player did not contribute to anything to do with the Dodgers throughout the whole year. So the fact that he contributed means that Mm -hmm. he deserves a ring.
0: hmm
1: okay, I agree with you there, however, he didn't play in the bubble he didn't take a risk he I definitely see why he didn't want to take a risk in uh bring his family to the bubble once players were allowed to bring their families there, but he played only pre pandemic so um but you know he I mean he played the season though, whereas price did not play at all during the season, even though he had to take the risk in order to play the season, which he didn't want to do. So, uh, so yeah, based on that, uh, the 60-some-odd games Bradley played in the regular season pre-pandemic before the season was um, and considering, postponed for a while.
2: And I if you look,
1: you know, grand total,
2: already. how many games were played in the bubble? It was 60 games total, right? So he played half the season.
1: No, he played 60-some-odd games, and then there was, like, I don't know. I, I'd have to look that up again. But um, they did not reach a full 82 games. There were, like, a few games, I don't know, up to 10. But, yeah, he played a majority of the season games, just not the bubble games. And but I think just playoffs.
2: based off the percentage of the games that he played and considering the circumstances with his um, son, I say, yeah, you give, you give it to him not somebody who didn't contribute anything throughout the season. All right. Um, I don't know what the underlying reason was. And, you know, they may have both sat out for similar reasons. But if you didn't contribute anything to 2020, I just don't, I can't justify giving you a ring.
1: Okay. And I agree with you. Now, now about the celebrations for the Lakers and the Dodgers. Uh, it was good. The Lakers won first. Fans hit the streets of L.A. You know, not not much social distancing, but uh, there were some fireworks going off, a lot of masks. And then the Dodger fans did the same thing. What do you think about the fans and um, the fact that we're going to have to wait for a parade for each team? You know,
2: team? Um, it's been over a decade for the Lakers, and it's been nearly three decades. For the Dodgers, um, you can wait a little bit longer.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree with you, especially since it's a, cel- since, uh, it's a cele- virus. Cases Well, are it's also a celebration again.
2: You don't want to associate a celebration with the death of someone you love, and what I mean by that is you don't want a kid who grows up hating the Dodgers or the Lakers because their dad. Died going to the parade.
0: This is just not. Uh uh
1: That's a good point. Okay, Montoya. Last question since we've uh, acknowledged our uh, Lakers and Dodgers championships for the city of LA. Any thoughts on uh, free agency in the draft being really rapid for the NBA? The Lakers trading their first-round draft pick, late first-round draft pick for Dennis Schroeder of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Rajon Rondo probably out the door. Anthony Davis has officially opted out of the final year of his deal trying to get that Supermax deal. What do you think? Well,
2: I think with the pandemic interrupting the end of the college season, I think it's a good thing that uh, they went with a more proven commodity um, I'm disappointed in Davis in terms of not sticking it through to see what he and LeBron could bring to LA, um, you know, on round two, I understand, you know, he's got to go make his money, but I, and.
1: But you probably know he's going to make his money and get that super max. Yeah. From the Lakers. But
2: there's a possibility that he might not stay with the Lakers as well. And um, I, I just think that uh, he this wasn't the time to do it. Like if he would have come back, won another title, he would have got that super max deal anyway. And he would have looked like the super amazing, incredible super team player.
1: Well, I still think he's coming back. I don't think he's out the door. Rondo is out the door. He only had a two and a half million dollar option player option for next year. Schroeder I don't know if he I don't I don't know. I mean they they call Rondo playoff Rondo for a reason and I think Rondo had an amazing playoffs, but uh this is just uh something the Lakers did to shore that area up as far as safety, but um for their like personnel decisions, but AD I think Davis is coming back and he just wants more money. Ben, what $28 million that he was, about, uh, that he was going to make in the last year of his deal that he opted out from. But I think he's going to get like the max or super max from the Lakers. And I think they're the only ones who could give him more, the most money because he has been currently with the team. So yeah, you, you do have a good point. He can walk, he can get a max deal from another team, but I do think he can, he's coming back He and LeBron have the same agent, so I'm not really worried about that. Um, But uh, Rondo, I thought, you know, being that friendly turncoat from Boston, I thought he did well in the playoffs. I thought he showed uh, some uh, confidence and clutch moments in his experience uh, in the playoffs. Uh, Definitely was, um, you know, visible. Whereas Schroeder, I just know him as a decent point guard. He averaged um, a decent amount of points last year for the thunder, but until somebody does it, you never know. He could do it, but I don't know. Rondo is getting older too, but yeah, I think that may suck for the Lakers to lose uh, Rondo, but I think Davis is definitely well, coming you know,
0: back.
2: When it comes to the playoffs next year, right. there's a lot of things that can happen and um I don't think Rondo is going to get picked up by another team. And if something comes up where the Lakers need him, I think he'll be there.
1: Interesting. We'll see because that's coming up around Christmas time. Season's going to be starting up again. Real, real quick turnaround for a 72 game season. And we'll talk more about the future of the NBA. If they're going to cut down from 82 games and their format for returning 70-some-odd days after the NBA Finals in the bubble in the future podcast. All right? But uh, Montoya, meanwhile in the NFL, the Los Angeles Rams are currently doing very good with just defeating the Seattle suck Cox today in the <laughs> nfc west matchup as this moment they have a six and three record okay they lost to the dolphins in the Tua tug debut game and then they had a bye week and they seem they put a good game plan together when they beat the seacocks or sucks Cox. <laughs> but as of this moment all right You have uh, some good teams in the AFC, like with very good records with the Chiefs and the Steelers. Do you think, number one, the Rams have a chance to make this a trifecta as far as championships are concerned for the City of Angels? Sean McVay, the boy genius, has proven He's an intelligent coach who knows how to manage all three phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. I've said it before. I believe Jared Goff out of Cal Berkeley can be an MVP in the NFL, even though he has had in the last couple games some turnovers. Aaron Donald cannot be contained by anyone on planet Earth, and he plays for the L.A. Rams. On the other hand, the AFC West has the Raiders who play in Cell block Vegas' Roomba Stadium at K, in a position where they're in the playoff picture as of this moment. And Justin Herbert has is now the new guy for the Chargers. And Tyrod Taylor's career has been derailed by a stupid doctor. Montoya's Broncos are at the bottom of the division with the Chargers. So... Do the Raiders have a chance to do anything? I didn't think so. But the Rams in their tough division have a wild card spot if the playoffs were to start today. But can they win the division? Montoya, what do you think? Can the Rams win the NFC West?
2: Based off of that win today in Seattle, I'm going to say they have a shot. And let's take a step back, actually, and let's just look at the NFC West. If you take a look at the NFC West versus the NFC East, I mean the NFC East, you're going to look at easily the best conference in pro football right now. There is nothing in the NFC North or the NFC South outside of the Saints that could hold a candle to any of these teams in the NFC West. Um, With even Arizona looking like a decent team. Now, I do have to correct you on something. As a Broncos fan, Seattle used to be in our division. And Mm -hmm. while I like the term, the suck cocks, um, (laughs) you, you have to call them the sea chickens. Nothing pisses off Seattle fans more than calling them the sea chickens. And I'm telling you this from experience because they used to be in our division. Find a sea chickens fan and say, how about those chickens? And you will watch them lose their minds. You can be like, hey, you're the 12th egg. Not the 12th man, the 12th egg. (laughs) And I'm telling you, it it will get under their skin. So, sea chicken. (laughs) While looking like a pretty good team, um, you know, this this win today by the Rams, which technically I will call an upset because I do believe that the chickens have a better quarterback, um, is definitely a testament to the coaching of the Rams so I do believe that in spite of the quarterback play which has not been very good um let's just call a spade a spade they do not have the second coming of Aaron Rodgers out of Cal but the Rams have still persevered in spite of that they do have an opportunity to make some noise
1: in the playoffs okay but can they win the division? Because you have three teams out of this moment at six and three: Cardinals, Rams, Seattle.
2: Well, Seattle's automatically, you know, edged out because they lost to the Rams. So the Rams hold the tiebreaker currently there now.
1: Yes, and they're so the Seahawks are one and two in the division. Rams are one and one, and the Cardinals are two and zero. Oh. But that all can change. The Rams have yet to play the Cardinals.
2: And it really just depends on how well the defense can handle Kyler Murray, who is essentially um, exactly like the Seahawks quarterback, you know, 2.0. He just happens to have better receivers, much, much better receivers. And you can say what you want about Larry Fitzgerald being um, beyond his prime, but he's still a formidable receiver. And you add in Hopkins, um, who by being traded from Houston – by a coach who's no longer there, effectively ended the uh, Texans.
1: Yeah, you're right. And that was, a, I mean, we talked about that in, in our first podcast with um, uh, the Texans getting Brandon Cooks from the Rams. And uh, we all knew that was uh, questionable.
2: Oh, my, yeah, at best. That's, yeah, that's yeah. saying it nicely.
1: Yeah, and uh, Bill O'Brien is gone. And um, and especially, I don't know, I mean, um, I, I still think Russell Wilson is the yes. better quarterback. Kyler Murray is coming into his own. That, that uh, Hail Mary that won the game for the Cardinals today was good. But as I was listening to the Rams post-game show on the radio, Maurice Jones-Drew said that you can't expect to play like that often, other hey, than Aaron, I mean, from Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, he's he, he seems like every time he throws a hail mary at the end of a game, he wins it. But who knows? Maybe Kyler Murray is that guy. But I still think Russell Wilson is a better quarterback. But you you're right. He has uh, Murray has better weapons around him which makes Arizona a threat. Ramsey shut down or locked down Metcalf today. Metcalf didn't do anything, and Metcalf is all trying to act like he's you know, the best wide receiver now, like he didn't do anything against Jalen Ramsey today.
2: So, yeah, well, he, he's not uh, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is a weapon.
1: But mm-hmm.
2: one of the things that uh, the Rams can do is they can take a look at what the Broncos did last year against the Texans in shutting down that passing attack with DeAndre Hopkins from a quarterback who's actually better in Houston than what they have in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And I think they can leverage that and um, they can shut down Arizona if they do something similar to shut down Hopkins that the Broncos did against the Texans last year.
1: And you know, once the Rams and Cardinals are going to play, Ramsey is going to be all over at Hopkins. And Fitzgerald is decent, but he's not what he was a few years ago.
0: Um, no, I'm, so I'm, completely,
1: I, I'm completely
2: in agreement. I'm just saying if, you, if they were to leverage what the Broncos did, because the Broncos don't have the DBs that the Rams do, and they still managed to shut down Hopkins, when he was receiving passes from a quarterback that I actually think is a better quality quarterback than the quarterback he has now. And I believe yeah. that that could be the key for the Rams winning the division because they already have the tiebreaker against the, the chickens.
1: And you have this, uh, this, this, this cornerback Williams, the Rams picked up for off waivers from the Ravens who had two interceptions against Russell Wilson today. So besides Ramsey, that guy is coming into his own. And that could be a good thing for the Rams, giving them an opportunity to win that division. So yeah, three teams as this moment at six and three.
2: I, Other than I just, that... I see the the... I, I possibly see the Sea Chickens as the odd team out in terms of the playoffs just because um, – and, and actually because of their record, all three teams may make it. But I just – All uh, three if,
1: teams are in the playoff picture as of this moment.
2: But um, if anybody's going to get 86, I think when the Cardinals and the Chickens play each other, I, I actually think Arizona's going to win. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You never know. Um, you know, you have the and because uh, Arizona has a better division record, and it's only two and zero right now. The Rams are one one. That they're in the NFC leaders to, what make the playoffs with the wild card teams being the Rams and Seattle. But that can all change. There's only you know there've only been nine games played. And there's plenty of football remaining. But speaking of the schedule, Montoya, the Rams have supposedly the toughest schedule left in the NFL should they make the playoffs. With the NFL's expanded playoff format, and as – I mean, as of this moment, only the top-seeded team in each conference having a first-round bye. But there's been discussion by the NFL to even eliminate that in case – you know, some games get canceled because of the spikes in the virus and these all these players being put on the COVID uh, uh, list. Um, do the Rams need to have the best record and get that first-round buy if it's available and the NFL doesn't do all these wholesale changes like MLB did? Or do they just need to get in the playoffs like they're currently at in the wild card picture to have that chance with only Seattle and um, Green Bay arguably equal or better? in the NFC.
2: Well, I'm going to disagree with you on one thing, and I'm going to say that I actually think the Cardinals are better than Seattle. Um, so I think they're battling Green Bay and Arizona for that first round by, but I definitely think that they should get the first round by because should it be that any key players happen to come down with the virus, that's one less game that they would be out for.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, imagine if Aaron Donald. You got.
2: uh, Imagine if Aaron Donald were to get uh, the coronavirus in week sixteen, so he'd be out for week seventeen, and then he'd be out for that first round bye, and he'd come back right in time.
1: Yeah, unless the NFL adds another playoff team. But, um, and, and, you know, in these times of COVID and all these wholesale changes that MLB did, they may be looking at, at that possibility as a money grab. Uh, I, I, yeah. act-
2: I absolutely think that's going to happen, that they're going to take away the first round buys and they're just going to have everybody playing. But, you know, I've also seen where the buy is a hindrance. You take a look at some of these teams that are red hot, and then they get a week off and it breaks up their continuity. And um, that's what causes them to actually lose when they – when they actually play a game because they're playing a team that never had a break and, you know, continued with their continuity. So it could be a benefit as well to not have that week off.
1: It could, it could, but at the same time, it could make you more banged up for, you know, and, and, um, and if you have it, you get to rest those uh, muscles and, you know, lingering injuries throughout the season. Um, and that's definitely helped out uh, your boy, Tommy Tito over the years, getting that first round by.
0: Oh,
2: it's definitely helped him, but, you know, so has taping the other team's practice.
1: True, true. And, you know, cheating like Bill Belichick, but, um, uh, so yeah. So uh, back to Kyler Murray, you know, I mean, uh, they, they have looked impressive, but they're all, all three of those teams in the AFC West are six and three. Um, but do you think Kyler Murray is coming into his own this year, after I, being a rookie? Um,
2: I do, but I also think it has to do with the trend of RPO just making its way into the league. You know, you're seeing things like what you saw with uh, the worst first round pick in all of sports history, Tim Tebow, with my Broncos. You know, he had some success because he was able to run around. And uh, the guy's essentially a fullback, so he's hard to bring down, whereas Kylo Murray is more of a speed guy. But the NFL is going to catch up defensively to these RPO guys, and they're going to turn them all into Tim Tebow. So um, that, as long as the the RPO is working, that's going to give guys like Murray and um, Russell Wilson an opportunity to shine. But As the NFL catches up, as they did, as it did with Tebow, who couldn't even make it on a high school level baseball, professional baseball team with the Mets. (laughs) Um, Once the defenses catch up, I I think some of these gimmick quarterbacks are going to go the way of the Dodo.
1: Well, these gimmick quarterbacks, speaking of RPO, and for our listeners out there, that means the run pass option that's not a completely foreign concept going – I mean, it isn't, hasn't been prevalent in the history of the NFL, but you've had scramblers like Vic, uh, like Steve Young, like uh, Rand- friend, Fran Tark- Tarkenton, you know? Uh, imagine – But, yeah.
2: Imagine Randall Cunningham today, though, with his skill set oh. and his size, he would yeah. be unstoppable. He'd be even more in the protection
1: of quarterbacks today because of your boy, Tommy cheetah. And, you know, not wanting to get hit, um, Randall Cunningham out of Santa Barbara high school would have been amazing (laughs) in the modern game.
2: So, well, Michael Vick would have been as well, but I actually think Randall Cunningham would have had more of an impact. Had he been available to play today? Had he, if he was coming out of college right now, um, he would have had more of an impact in the same way that I believe Donovan McNabb would have also had more of an impact
0: on the game.
1: Yeah. But, um, but those, those guys, it's not like they're, they're foreign or completely, you know, new, but it's like, uh, not like they're prevalent. And that's why Lamar Jackson was amazing last year and won the MVP. And he's, he's so much bigger than Wilson and Murray. Um, which makes him, you know, even a more of a threat. Tebow <laughs> was able to limp the Broncos into a playoff game victory just because of his legs. Um, he couldn't throw the ball, we shit, but he did, you know, have that pass to your boy, Demarius Thomas, in the playoffs, right? Whoa. And,
2: uh, well, and remember that born again Christian was thrown to the number 88, which is, um, uh, a neo-Nazi number for Heil Hitler. So he he had a reason. He he had motivation to actually be accurate for the first time in the game. In addition to the fact that he was relying on his offensive linemen to read the defense for him and tell him either yes or no, the play he had, he called in the huddle, was going to work. The guy wasn't even smart enough to read the defense. He had to rely on his offensive linemen. So Tebow had multiple points.
1: You, you do have like centers in the NFL doing that a lot. And I mean, but yeah, I'll do, I will acknowledge Tebow could not throw the ball worth shit, but those RPO guys, um, I mean, they, they have one more weapon than a traditional quarterback like Jared Goff and, uh, and Tommy Cheetah don't have is uh, the run game. Yeah. And in uh, that, the, and if you can throw the ball, like Russell Wilson, and like uh, Murray, and like Steve Young, and like Michael Vick, and like Lamar Jackson, Unless, and Fran Tarkenton. Let's not you forget know, you're gonna you're gonna kick some, kick some ass.
2: Let's not forget the unsung hero of Colin Kaepernick. Had it been that Colin never got ostracized, he would also be dominating today. Because if you look at his physique, he's a bigger guy, but he can move like Kyler Murray, and he could throw the ball.
1: Oh, he could throw, yeah, he, he could throw the deep ball. But, um, yeah, he is, uh, it, it's too long for him. If you're not playing in the NFL for this long, he's never coming back. He, he should go to the CFL. And, uh, I mean, if he wants to resurrect his career, you know, maybe he could do like a Warren Moon thing and come back. But I don't know. I don't know. Um,
2: I, I do but, agree with you.
1: Yeah, well, he, I don't know, maybe he just doesn't want to play anymore and he has his settlement money and he has his Nike money. But, um, but you know, yeah, so back to the AFC where the Seahawks came from, AFC West. Right now in the AFC, yeah, Baltimore, Miami, and Las Vegas. Yes, believe it or not, the Raiders of Oakland and Los Angeles, now Las Vegas, excuse me are the wild card teams do you think the raiders who you said would be at the bottom of the division do you think they have a chance to be a serious playoff team and since uh indianapolis is uh, in the playoff mix too what do you think about philip your boy philip joan rivers Do you think he'll choke in the playoffs like he used to with the Chargers?
2: I think that Joan realizes that uh, the clock is ticking on his career. So I believe that um, he'll go into this a bit more seriously than he has in the past when he was on a Chargers team that essentially dominated the um, AMC West for, what, six, seven years, and he did nothing in the playoffs. Um, He wants to at least get to a Super Bowl. He has the experience and he has the know-how. And I believe he has just enough of a supporting cast that he could get there. I don't think that uh, he'd have a really hard time defeating Kansas City. But if you look at his history against Mahomes, he always seemed to have Mahomes' number in the same way the Broncos always beat Tommy Cheetah. So um, don't count him out. I definitely think that the Raiders are a flash in the pan. Um, I'm not taking them seriously. And I will never take them seriously, so I need to also give that disclaimer. And in terms of Las Vegas, there would be no Vegas without LA, so we can truly call the Raiders LA's third team. Um, they're just the insignificant third team.
1: Well, so many people go to LA on the or Las Vegas on the weekends, you know, from down here. But um, and their super last Super Bowl was when they were the LA Raiders, but. Um, you know, I'm going to agree with you. I just uh, I just can't think that they'll do serious damage in the playoffs. No. Um for for one reason or another, they got those young guys at the wide receiver, you know, they did good in the draft. Uh, I mean, there in my opinion. Their running back is uh, is decent. Um, Carr, you know, he Has taken the playoff or the Raiders to the playoffs uh, a few years ago, but I just—it's been a while, you know. I mean, I never have had faith in that guy, like I have faith in Jared Goff. Um,
2: Well, actually, I actually have faith in Carr. I actually think when the Broncos had Billy Musgrave, if they could have pulled Carr away from the Raiders, that uh, he he would be—he would have been very successful in Denver. Um, he had a great rapport with Billy Musgrave, and that was the only time that he got into the playoffs was when Billy Musgrave was his offensive coordinator. Um, mm-hmm. I think right now he's being successful in spite of the fact that John Gruden hates him. Um, so I, I just think that uh, the clock is ticking, and the second he has some major mistake, Gruden is going to cut him, and they're going to move on. So I just believe there's there's too much dysfunction with the Raiders for this to really continue to uh, go on the path that it's currently going. They're going to mess up and it's going to, the whole thing's going to implode in true Raider fashion.
1: You know, I agree with you there. It's always implodes one way or another with the Raiders. And um, and, and the whole thing is, um, I don't know, like, I mean, they sign them after that playoff run to a five-year, what, or uh, like $125 million deal, like, or, you know, four years, $25 million a year. I don't know when that uh, is going to be over, that contract. But the whole the whole fact that the Raiders got uh, uh, Marcus Mariota to supposedly back up Carr this year at a, you know, discount, I was, like, going to be like a Nick Folk and um, Trubisky situation. As soon as Carr fucked up, they were going to put in Mariota. But that never really happened like we all knew it was going to happen with Mitch um sucking, being a bust, and and the Bears putting in Nick Foles. So uh, – but, I mean, I just I, – you know, I, I don't know. I just don't know if Carr can really – if the Raiders do maintain pace. I just don't think Carr is that guy. And Gruden his obviously – one and two, move on, but he's been stuck with him because of his contract. There's nothing really been else avail- better available, and they did sign Marcus Marietta, I think, to a decent backup quarterback salary, um, thinking that car would completely suck, but he, he's been decent, but I don't know if decent can do much besides if they make it to the playoffs being a, a wild card loser.
2: Well, and if you look at Mariota, I mean, really, he's essentially been what I expected the Chargers quarterback to be, and that's Joey Harrington part two.
1: Well, Herbert, who's going to be in our Who's Better segment against Goff, Herbert has had some decent games.
2: Decent, being. You know? the- Decent being the key word, though. I mean, he's only won one game.
1: Yeah, but you could put that on your former Bronco, Anthony Lynn, for his questionable coaching decisions and these last-minute losses, last-second losses, right?
2: But uh, you, over, you know, over Herbert. Well, you honestly, let's just take a look at the Chargers organization over the last, what, at least 10 years. This isn't just Anthony Lynn. This has been organizational dysfunction they had a lead on the Broncos with Peyton Manning and Peyton Manning's first year. And they were up by what, like 28 points and the Broncos came back and won that game. If there's a team that is pro- that is a professional at losing a big lead or losing a game after they had a big lead, it is the San Diego chargers of Anaheim.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, well, time will tell. We still got some football left. Um, speaking of, um, these positions, like quarterback and these, uh, uh coaches attempts to upgrade their positions around the Lee, if you could upgrade any position for the Rams Raiders or chargers, or even your Broncos, uh, what position would you choose? And does any player come to mind that would be ideal for you to put in at that, uh, position as an upgrade?
2: Right now, for me, I would. I'm going to give you two teams just because I'm going to be a homer and I'm going to talk about the Broncos. And I think the one position that I'd like to upgrade the Broncos on is uh, their starting middle linebacker. I don't think Josie Jewell is cutting it. I would like to see the uh, player we passed on so we could get no offense that we traded to Pittsburgh. I cannot think of his name right now, but he was the stud linebacker. Um, who's now playing with Pittsburgh. I would like to see him in a Denver uniform, Um, but it is what it is. And in terms of the Chargers, um, I definitely think from a defensive perspective, they also need linebacker help to go with that amazing defensive line that they have. Um, If they could get a little bit more push from the the, um, linebacker position, even with the, Slightly better than average DBs that they have, including Chris Harris, they would be where the Raiders are right now.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Um, but does any so? But okay. But as far as players that come to mind, is there any like player on your wish list that if you could get, no matter what trade, signing, anything that you would get and put in those situations
2: for the Broncos? Give me two seconds. I'm going to look up. The Steelers roster, and I'm going to tell you who that particular linebacker is that I'm talking about.
1: Okay. So while you're looking that up, I'm going to say if since the Gruden is obviously wanted to move on from David Carr, um, I think it would be interesting if uh, the Raiders were able to somehow sign Dak Prescott next year. <laughs> You put Dak Prescott in a Raiders uniform, in his prime, I think that would be a serious upgrade over Carr, number one. Okay. Uh, Number two, you know, as far as uh, if I were to go to the Rams, I would uh, definitely, you know what, they just extended Robert Woods, even though Robert Woods had um, time left on his contract. But if you were to give me like how Arizona was able to pull off a DeAndre Hopkins trade with uh, the stupid Bill O'Brien when he was with the Texans, um, you know, I would definitely think Jared Goff would go off because right now he's going on Jared Goff go off. But uh, right now he's going um, he has Cooper Cup as like his safety blanket, Robert Woods. It doesn't seem like he's, you know, um, throwing to him as much as in previous years. But, uh, uh, you know, I thought it was a little questionable with Robert Woods being underpaid for what he's done with the Rams to extend him, you know, just to be, like, a nice organization. Um, But if you were to put, like, uh, DeAndre Hopkins or next on my wish list, of course, uh, Julio Jones – I think that would be amazing for Jared Goff and the Rams. So those are my players on my wish list for those teams.
2: So my linebacker for the Broncos, who they actually should have drafted, even though I have really grown to like Noah Fant, is, but actually if they could have picked up TJ Watt or Vince Williams, I would have been happy with either of them as well.
1: And that's the brother of... uh, J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt.
2: Yes, he's been killing it.
1: So he'd be your linebacker on your wish list? He would
2: absolutely be a linebacker on my wish list. In addition to their... um,
1: so nothing, nothing about Dak Prescott next year being better than Drew Lowe. Honestly, Lockett.
2: based off of the injury that he has, I think that he's going to end up being Alex Smith part two, and I can't believe that Alex Smith actually made it back to
1: the NFL. Um, well, Alex Smith nearly lost his leg. I mean, I don't think Dak Prescott is anywhere near any amputation. Ampute- I understand
2: that, but if you look at the way that that injury happened, I, I think they are somewhat similar. And um, I I think it's going to be a couple of years before we see Dak Prescott uh, playing in the league again. And who's to say that his head is going to be completely in it? Who's going to say he's mentally as strong as Alex Smith to be able to come back and be effective?
1: You never know. You never know. But uh, I think the Cowboys now are in a position of advantage for (laughs) their negotiations for not wanting to extend to Prescott. (laughs) you know but um... all right Toya so finally we're going to do our who's better segment where we decide the better LA players so Montoya who's better Jared Goff of the Rams or Justin Herbert of the Oh, Chargers? I remember
2: my linebacker's name. His name is Devin Bush. That's who I want the Broncos. That's what would be my ideal player for the Broncos. Now, I'm going to go with Jared Goff all day long. And the reason why I'm going to go with Goff is he has been on a team that went to the Super Bowl. He didn't win the Super Bowl, but he he's been there. He's done that. And honestly, you everybody wants to crown Herbert. I'm just, I'm not seeing it. The guy's played in a few games now. He's only won one of them. Um, yeah, he's had some pretty decent plays, but he also has a pretty decent supporting cast around him as well. Um, so I'm, I'm not sold on Herbert. What about yourself?
1: I agree with you. I'm going to go with Goff for the same reasons. He's been in the Super Bowl, although he sucked in the Super Bowl. Um, Herbert has looked good since he's come in for Tyrod, but, uh, um, I don't think he's a bust. Like you necessarily, you know, I don't think he's going to be a bust or Joey Harrington 2.0. Um, I think Herbert is so much better than Harrington ever was, uh, during his time in the NFL, even though he was very decent up at Oregon. Um, and Herbert, you know, the same thing, was a decent college player up at Oregon but uh, Goff was the number one pick, and he was the number one pick for a reason. And uh, even though that was uh, a few years ago, this is his fifth year in the league, I think he could play another 10 years and be, still be an effective player. Um, he's more experienced. He was number one. Um, it's just sometimes he has some, uh, I don't want to say bad games, because you know, even uh, you know, he has players like Russell Wilson throwing two picks today for you know Williams, uh, the cornerback of the Rams today. But Goff, um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I mean, it's just as a Rams fan, have this hope that he'll be close to perfect. And when I see him make these errors or some of these errors, I you know, um, they're questionable. Like the interceptions or, uh, the turn, you know, um, the fumbles, like he fumbled the ball today, but he didn't even know a guy was coming up behind him on his, uh, blind side. So, and Whitworth went down too with a torn MCL. So, uh, yeah. Um, but despite that, you know, um, we still haven't seen everything out of Herbert and, um... And the I think the lack of Herbert's success this year as a win in a winning games goes falls onto the shoulders of your boy former Bronco Anthony Lynn. Okay. But as as far as his performance, I think it's been pretty decent. However, I think Goff is a, just, I think he's he's a better quarterback. And and I really think he's an MVP candidate, or he could be an MVP candidate. He's not an MVP candidate right now, obviously. But just on, we're talking about the, the better LA player, Montoya. I definitely have to go with Jared Goff over Justin Herbert.
0: Well,
2: again, I mean, everybody really wants to crown Herbert. And what's the... What's the true language of the NFL besides money? It's wins and losses. And right now, Herbert's been close, but he hasn't actually closed the deal. And so until I see more wins, I'm going to have to say that, you know, even with a really strong supporting cast, maybe you need to go back to Tyrod Taylor. Yes, he's looked good, but he hasn't closed out the game.
1: Uh, I, I don't know. I think Tyrod is going to stay on the bench, and you can't. I don't think you can blame Herbert for not closing out the games. You got to blame Lynn, and um, I think the writing may be on the wall, Montoya. That Lynn may um, not be the coach of the uh, the Chargers. Now. I'm in
2: agreement with you on that. Um, I think the Spanos. Uh, regime wants to sell the team, and in order to get that value up, they have to be putting butts in the seats, and that's just not going to happen with the way this team is currently structured, at least in terms of the coaching, the coaching, yeah, and the decisions
1: being made. And of course, when teams do bad over a season the first fall guy is the coach, right? So, Sorry. Sorry about that. It's, unless, yeah, unless I think the first fall guy is the coach, unless that coach had uh, GM powers like Bill O'Brien, but eventually it caught up to O'Brien where he was uh, finally showing the door in Houston. Well.
2: Let's just be honest. Anybody who's from the Patriots tree outside of Bill Belichick has not done anything. Look at Matt Patricia, of Detroit. He's made oh,
1: what a disaster! Um, and let's take a
2: look at Josh McDaniels. I mean, this is the guy who actually drafted Tim Tebow with the first round pick. Um, you could go all the way back to Romeo Cornell with the Chiefs. Um, it's just it's been a disaster after disaster after disaster. And I don't see Romeo,
1: but. Who has, who has taken Romeo over in Cornell. Houston? Yeah. What do you think of that? They're sticking to the tree. The well, they didn't the have much
2: of a choice either. They needed someone who had some experience. Um, so I, I honestly think that uh, based off of the talent that they have there, there's a good chance that the next head coach of the Houston Texans is currently the offensive coordinator for the Kansas city chiefs. And I think former university of Colorado running back and former San Diego charger, Eric sleeping with the enemy will be the head coach of the Texans next year.
1: Well, it seems like, uh, he's definitely going to get his chance to get a head coaching job.
2: Although I think it's going to be a mistake because Uh, who calls the majority of those plays in Kansas city? It's not Eric, the enemy. Um, Yes, he does so while the is getting a lot of the credit i don't think he's ever really had a chance to shine it doesn't mean that he wouldn't shine if given the opportunity i just think he's getting credit for something he's not really doing
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well having patrick mahomes working with him can only help your kids yeah he definitely
2: covers up a lot of uh blemishes there i mean he's like a good makeup he covers up a lot of blemishes because like peyton manning used to do in denver he he's doing all all the right things
1: so that's it for today everyone thank you very much for giving us a listen if you have a question you'd like b toya and me to discuss please let us know and give us a follow on twitter and instagram at Sports rt1 until next time take care